Part two of session 50. Here we're going to talk about the motivation for incarnation and some loose questions about meditation. Let's begin. In the last video, I stopped in question number six, because question seven, as you can see, is going to be very long and it has a substantial amount of information that is relevant to talk about in uh, a different topic, which is what I call the motiv motivation for incarnation. Motivation. What is that? What is it that moves us? That's what motivation is about. Uh, the, uh, the root of motivation for the word is movement, what moves us to incarnate. And when we understand the context in which we incarnate, which we know by now, uh, the reasons why we want to evolve spiritually, or we want to experience rather reality for a natural evolution, then you get into uh, the reasons why we would come into incarnation and with incarnation I mean just third density incarnation at least that's what we're going to talk about here which is really what's relevant to us because we are incarnated here so <laughs> uh, that's what we're gonna touch and I think this is one of the most important questions that Don could have made because it gives context to uh, the people that are always asking you know why did I incarnate here why do I have this veil of forgetting? Why can I not be, you know, uh, all powerful? You know, th this is a mix of human mind with the cosmic mind, the, trying to become everything at once. And you can see all the syndromes that come out of this. So um, there's not much to say. It's going to be a pretty long uh, video here. So we are going to go straight into the question that started this up which is again question 7, session 50, and Don says, Thank you. Can you expand on the concept, which is this, that it is necessary for an entity to, during incarnation in the physical, as we call it, become polarized or interact properly with other entities, and why this isn't possible in between incarnations, when he is aware of what he wants to do. But why must he come into an incarnation and lose memory, conscious memory, of what he wants to do and then act in a way that he hopes to act. Could you expand on this, please? So you can see before I get into Ron's answer that what Don, Don is asking not merely um, why are we coming here to incarnate, but what is it that uh, an entity in time space, knowing everything and plans everything and organizes things for the incarnation, why does it have to go through the process of forgetting? which is exactly what he means when saying, uh, why does he come into incarnation and lose memory, conscious memory, of what he wants to do and then act in a way that he hopes to act. So it's almost like a gamble, okay? And I, I'm usually not, you know, um, I don't like too much Ra's analogies. Uh, not too much, some, they're, they're okay. <laughs> I think they can do better, um, but that's just my, human my human opinion but Ra's gonna give the um, the analogy of poker and they say 
Let us give the example of the man who sees all the poker hands. He then knows the game. It is but child's play to gamble, for it is no risk. The other hands are known. The possibilities are known, and the hand will be played correctly, but with no interest. In time space, and in the true color green density, the hands of all are open to the eye. The thoughts, the feelings, the troubles, all these may be seen. There is no deception, and no desire for deception. Thus, much may be accomplished in harmony, but the mind-body-spirit gains little polarity from this interaction. You see, here it's good to remember that third density is about polarizing yourself. Fourth density is not. Um, so the purpose of incarnation is really to polarize the self. And that's what we do. That's the setup. That's the scenario that we have here in the illusion of third density. If you remember Raj always saying, in your illusion, you know, when talking about uh, whatever they just say, in, as it's uh, measure in your illusion, as it's seen in your illusion, they're talking about the illusion of third density, which is a sort of, um, again, illusion doesn't mean, you know, uh, deception or, um, you know, trick or false, any of that. I mean, the whole universe is an illusion, much like a dream is an illusion, but it is as real as an experience as possible. So that's the key distinction. And in, in, in our illusion, in third density illusion, the parameters are set for us to experience reality in a way which we don't remember. We don't know anything from, uh, from the metaphysical. And this is, it goes so fascinated that we can get into the paradigms of societies that we have right now, which is uh, the science and religious uh, paradigms, which one says that there is an external God that is guiding us and that it's judging everything we do and you know it's the paternal figure and then there is the paradigm of the inert uh, dead universe and that uh, humans are just you know you can see all the variations of schools of thought that can be derived from this illusion of separation of not knowing who we are truly and you know this is this is the big gamble this is the creation, uh, the multiplicity of creations comes from third density because there is so much to elaborate. When you don't know something, think about it. When something is mysterious to you, you can imagine all types of things. Once you are, you know, or are convinced, you stop being creative. Your imagination stops. You simply think, you know, and this is, this is, you know, the magic in third density. So Ra is going into the analogy of the poker hand and saying that, you know, imagine somebody who knows all the poker hands, you know, and there's nothing to gamble. There's no even desire to play. You will just play, you know, for no reason. And so they say that in four density, you know, there is very little to accomplish in polarity because um, you can see everybody's feelings and makeup and programming and what their desires are and, you know, this there is there is no veil so you can just see everybody for what they are whereas here we don't and you know that's what creates like i said you know i think i emphasized that point enough um but yeah that's that is the the great analogy there 
you know, to know that the, the less you know, the more you can be creative and the more you can seek the one creator in, um, in its full aspects. And it's why we say, you know, there are infinite roads, but they all lead to the same source. So, all right. Ross says, let us re-examine this metaphor and multiply it into the longest poker game you can imagine, a lifetime. The cards are love, dislike, limitation, unhappiness, pleasure, etc. They are dealt and redealt and redealt continuously. You may, during this incarnation, begin, and we stress begin, to know your own cards. You may begin to find the love within you. You may begin to balance your pleasure, your limitations, etc. However, your only indication of other self's cards is to look into the eyes. You cannot remember your hands, their hands, perhaps even the rules of the game. This game can only be won by those who lose their cards in the melting influence of love, can only be won by those who lay their pleasures, their limitations, they're all upon the table, face up and say inwardly, all, all of you players, each other self, whatever your hand, I love you. And this is what makes it so awesome of uh, an analogy or a metaphor, like they said be more appropriate um, because we're talking about how to play the game of life how to um, how to know that you the only way is just to surrender everything that that you think you are um, all of this any anything that you have programmed for yourself is only a sort of character that you have created but it is not yourself so the only way here to um, really win this game is to surrender it, <laughs> surrender everything that you are. Um, this, I mean, this can get really, really deep into, you know, what what it means to surrender. Um, it's all about, you know, surrendering the ego and everything else. But uh, I just want to read what they say. You know, uh, first look at how they say the cards. The cards are love, dislike, limitation, unhappiness, pleasure. All of these things are expressions of the mind when it comes to association with reality. Love, dislike, limitation, unhappiness, pleasure. All of these are simply the processes of the mind when it comes to um, discerning life. See. So these are the cards. These, this is what we're playing, and they are dealt and redealt and redealt continuously. You will never um, escape this this uh, this shuffling of the cards, because that's just the game. That is what we're here to do. You see, and no matter what cards you have, you know, and this is where they say. I think they said in the in the next. But let me just keep reading. You may, during this incarnation, begin, and we begin to, uh, we stress begin. They stress the begin, because you can never uh, truly understand the nature of your your beingness. Um, this is why they say, you know, this is not the density of understanding. You can see, and I love to use the example of the Tesseract. 
You see, you can never see the Tesseract. You can never understand the Tesseract. The Tesseract is just a hypercube, a four-dimensional cube, if you will, which has, um, just like a square, has its, um, its angles projected into a cube by just connecting two squares together. Uh, a cube is connected with all its vertices to other cubes and you know this is this is how we envision the tesseract but to paint it it's like painting in a 2d a cube you lose a dimension so you can't really see the cube you can kind of imagine it you know if i draw it on the board you'd see a 2d shape as a cube but it's not really a cube well in the same way a tesseract can be drawn in 3d and um or built in 3D, but that would be only the shadow of a 4D. So you lose a dimension. And in the same way, we lose a dimension of understanding by um, by attempting to feel the our true nature. We can feel it, but we cannot understand it. This is why God is unnamed. This is why the Tao is... Um, the Tao that can be spoken about is not the eternal Tao. Um, the uh, sunyata is the the void, which doesn't really mean nothing. It's it's no thing. Um, it's it, you, you can't really say anything about it because once you say something, you are taking it out of the no thing into a thing. And so you know this. In the same way, we can begin to uh, to understand. They use the word understand. They never use the word understand like this, unless they, they gave the caveat like, you know, uh, forgive the use of it. <laughs> no, you begin to know your cards, see, to know, to feel your cards. You can see, um, you can feel them. I think that's, that's a better word. Um, you may begin to find the love within you. That's another thing, you know, you can't truly, um, feel you know the universal love completely because that would that's not compatible to our brains but you can begin to find it you know you may begin to balance your pleasure your limitations all of these are just the configurations that you've had and you know you you may begin to balance them uh however your only indication of other selves cards is to look into the eyes and this is just um I mean, it's referring beautifully to how you can... It is a metaphor, for sure. Not only the poker, but just looking into the eyes is, you know, seeing really who the person is, you know. Um, I'll give you an example of what comes to mind. You see, when you, when you look at somebody and you have boxes in your mind in which you categorize them, and you're not looking into the eyes of the person, you're looking into your own bias categories of where people should fall into. Whereas when you settle down and you relax and you leave all your categories on the side or away from everything and you look at people in the eyes, meaning that you just simply absorb them for what they are, then you begin to see uh, their cards. You can see um, what their pleasures are, the nature of their pleasures, as opposed to saying, oh, this person is, you know, this, he's an addict, or he has an issue, and he's just, you know, <laughs> into the box you go. Now, this is about really absorbing the person, and this is why we say uh, in psychotherapy that, you know, the best thing you can do 
is to listen to people, to truly listen to people, to, in silence, make them feel that they are being listened, N make them know that you are listening to them. See, so this is what to see the other self is how you begin to see their cards. See, a psychologist, a good psychologist would do this and would just, you know, listen without biases. I mean, shamans do this naturally. Uh, real priests do. I mean, this is just magic work, if you want to call it that. So, the next part where they say, you cannot remember your your hand, their hands, perhaps even the rules of this game. <laughs> of course, we, um, we come to here to forget everything. That's the thing. You come programmed to exhibit certain behaviors and certain uh, directions, karma, inertia, movement, motion, your motivation, see? Uh, you you come to exhibit those, but you don't remember them. You don't know why they're there. You know, you, you can't make the connection of why you are one way and the other and you have this interest and this pleasures and so on. So uh, you can't obviously remember anybody else's hands. So you can only perceive by the nature of it. It's almost like, you know, you can see um, you can see the, the figure dancing, but you can't listen to the music. You see, like there is a motivation behind the dancer, but you can't listen to the music. Of course, if you analyze the dancer, you can kind of get the rhythm of the music. I mean, this is what's happening here. They continue and say, this game can only be won by those who lose their cards in the melting influence of love. <laughs> ah, I love that part. Um, you can only be won by those who... You see, losing, losing your cards, it's losing all of those things that you believe are you. The association of you. This is how I interpret it anyways. I know this can be, I mean, this is a metaphor. We can use it any way we want. In fact, I encourage you to just read it and see how you can interpret it. Don't, don't take mine. You know, mine is inspirational at most. <laughs> That's the best I can attempt. So, um, losing your cards. If your cards are the way you love and the way you feel about certain things and um, dislikes and so on, everything they said, then uh, by losing them, you are disassociating yourself with those pleasures, with those limitations, with the dislikes and with those specific love. I mean, love in the sense of, um, I'm just using it this way, of course, a, uh, a particular love, something that really for you to love something intensely you have to take you have to almost like harness the love from everything else to intensify there it's almost like when you're looking at something you're ignoring the peripheral side that you have you see when you're focused on something so losing that it's really expanding yourself and that's what i mean by losing you know the uh, love but then again you know they say in the melting influence of love which is the expansive love can only be won by those who lay their pleasures their limitations they're all upon the table see just laying it up and saying inwardly uh all all of you see this is don't go out you know and start screaming this <laughs> thinking i want the poker game it's inwardly <laughs> you face them up all your your cards and say all all of you players each other self whatever your hand i love you whatever you are see Whoever you are, I don't care. I put all my categories, my 
my boxes. I, I toss them aside. They don't matter anymore. Everybody else, to me, the same. And this is really, you know, what we achieve in, in um, what we call spiritual evolution. Expansion of consciousness. Realization of the self. Put whatever name you want, you know, apotheosis. Like the Gnostics would say, this is the greatest achievement to really accept every self as, as the creator, as what they are. So they finalize this saying, this is the game to know, to accept, to forgive, to balance and to open the self in love. This cannot be done without the forgetting for it would carry no weight in the life of the mind, body, spirit, beingness, totality. See, and this is the final part where it's really summarized. You know, this is the game to know. And these are the steps. See, these um, know and accept yourself are the three steps or two of the three steps that uh, Ra gave us and are know yourself, accept yourself, become the creator. When you know yourself, the only option is to accept it, not to change it. You can change yourself. See, an attempt to change yourself will only create more inertia. To uh, to know the the reason why you want to change yourself. <laughs> Once you know the reason why you want to change yourself, then you want to know the reason why you have the reason to change yourself, and so on it goes. And this is what creates this anxiety inside us. So to know is to accept. Next step is to accept. Um, to forgive, it's really just to. Um, to me, acceptance and forgiveness is the same thing. To forgive is really, it's not even to forgive yourself as you were, like, if you were an entity that needs to be forgiven, you know, and you have to look at this entity and say, oh yes, I forgive this entity. But rather to, um, I would even say forget. You see, it's a forgiveness that goes into forgetting. Forgetting the association that you had with whatever it was that you judge or that you hate it or that you um, that you intensely love or that you um, you were attached to forget that you know it's it's not forgetting rejecting like, well, I'm just gonna forget about it but just forget that there is an association with it you know d dissipate the, the the association that to me is forgiveness it's not about you know going back in you know memory and saying, Oh, this person did this to me. I forgive him. You know what it is. What is it to be forgiven? You know, you have to put yourself in the situation, and say, "Oh, yes, I understand now the reasons. I see it differently." What is when you forgive? This is the act of changing the past. Think about it. You know, you have always brought this this unforgivable stuff in your life. You can't forgive this at all. You cannot because it really it's really painful and you had an association with it you constructed it in a way that makes it unforgivable rigid unbreakable but now you revisit it with your new this definitely must have happened to you in the past whether conscious or not um, and you can do it even now of course you know by just thinking about something that has transcended already. Like you have transcended your uh, your perception in general, and now you can see something: childhood, teenagers, 
probably what happened last week, who knows, whatever. And because you have transcended, you look back and you say like, oh, how could I be upset about that? I, I shouldn't even be, you know, bothered by it. That's forgiveness. You see, you're not, there's no act of forgiveness. There is just perception change and um, disassociation with those feelings. Sometimes those feelings just come, and this is, you know, one of the, the fascinating works with, uh, with psychology or psychotherapy or uh, spiritual work, whatever you want to call it, it's all the same, uh, is that you can, you can revisit that and truly change, you know, what, uh, what it means. You completely overhaul the feeling that you had with the whatever event it was situation and it you're doing magic that's really what it is i mean there's there's no you know uh, hollywood magic going on it's just magic and consciousness changing your perception you see so um all right before i get sidetracked uh ross says in the end, this cannot be done without forgetting, for it would carry no weight in the life of the mind-body-spirit beingness totality, of course. Again, you know, go back to when I did the introduction to the question, and I said that, um, you know, coming here and not knowing anything creates the multiplicity of possibilities of how to interpret this reality. See, it's... Um, it's uh, it's almost like you know those shows when they would put people on an island or somewhere else and they had to survive their survival before was uh, taken for granted they would you, know, you live in a civilization you have everything you don't have to worry about anything and when you are you know now in the position of survival now this survivability kicks in and your instincts start you know flashing and intensifying or in the same way you know when you have no risk of very little risk of survivability there is no reason to worry about survivability when you're in the civilization likewise when you are in time space specifically for density as Ra says it I believe this applies to fifth and sixth density as well but for density at least how they say it um, there is no um, there is no necessity you have everything, you perceive everything, but investing yourself in the forgetting, in the veil of forgetting, uh, truly just makes you more um, susceptible to, to, these, uh, to these paradigms and anything else. I mean, you can create anything you want. It, it really is at this point, you know, the, the, the point of creative, creativeness. So uh, it does carry no weight in the life of the mind, body, spirit, being this totality meaning that um, you you have nothing to lose you nothing to gamble actually it's not even nothing to lose you have nothing to gamble there's everything is perceived as it is so the work in four density as uh, we saw it before just a couple of sessions ago it's about uh, truly potentiating that polarity that you have already acquired in third density so it's a uh, it's a sort of potentiation or increasing of that, that polarity, um, putting it into context, knowing how to manage it. Because now you have polarized towards service to self or service to others, and that's really the work in four density. 
but in third density is where we create this um, um, this polarization and I think that's pretty clear by now in session 50 so if that makes sense great if not leave a comment all right question eight it's all you it's gonna be long question eight Don says thank you how does the ability to hold visual images in mind allow the adept or the adept to do polarization and consciousness without external action this was given, um, I think, last session, where we talk about meditation, the ability to hold images, and that does uh, polarization in, um, in the planet. But Ra says, this is not a simple query for the adepts, is the adept is one which will go beyond the green ray, which signals entry into harvestability. The adept will not simply be tapping into intelligent energy as a means of readiness for harvest but tapping into both intelligent energy and intelligent infinity for the purpose of transmuting planetary harvestability and consciousness so just again to put into context this um, when Ra talked about the types of meditation they said holding a visual image does um, aid in polarization of the planet I think this this is what Don asked polarization and consciousness um without external action like how how does holding a, an image in your mind can do polarization and consciousness so so rise saying you know this is not simple because um it's not a simple query because you see the adept is one the adept is the one that is doing the work in indigo ray which is attempting to contact intelligent infinity and using intelligent energy whatever in whatever case or whatever um, uh, whatever use it wants to to have you know whether it be healing which is the heart uh, inspiration which is throat chakra um, and I forgot what was the indigo um, sacredness I don't know I forgot but so that's why they say you know we'll go beyond the green ray which is signals entry into harvestability See, activating green rays just, you know, um, signaling the possibility of harvest for the entity. Of course, this entity needs to also uh, develop throat chakra, which is uh, blue energy center. And that would be the third primary energy center, blue. So it's red, yellow, blue. The adder will not simply be tapping into intelligent energy as a means for readiness for harvests but tapping into both intelligent energy and intelligent infinity for the purpose of transmuting planetary harvestability and consciousness. That's the type of work that the adept is doing. Is um, See, in, in Buddhism, we have the word bodhisattva, um, as opposed to, uh, to a pratyeka Buddha, which is a private Buddha, if you will, a Buddha who keeps to himself to just discover the marvel of the universe and just goes on his own and just disappears from from reality whereas a bodhisattva is somebody really who opens the portal to intelligent infinity and says i gotta help liberate other people i'm doing work here you see so this the bodhisattva again is the one who has reached indigo ray and decides to come back as opposed to the Pratyeka Buddha, which just leaves and says, so long, I'm out. <laughs> um, which, you know, it's 
it, it's a type of, of realization. It's fine. Nothing, you know, better or worse with being a bodhisattva or vice versa. The point is that is the um, is the entity who decides to share and uh, aid other people into liberation. So this is the same work basically that Ra is talking about here. So they continue on and say the means of this working lie within the means of this working lie within the working of the uh, the adept. The key is first silence. Secondly, singleness of thought. Thusly, a visualization which can be held steady to the inward eye for several of your minutes as you measure time will signal the adept's increase in singleness of thought. The singleness of thought then can be used by the positive adept to work in group ritual visualizations for the raising of positive energy by negative adepts for the increase in personal power. So, um, we'll get to the negative one. Uh, at the end, as I'll just follow this, as Ross said it, the means of this work in light within. Obviously, it's not external work. Remember that Don asked, um, you know, how can an adept do this without external action? And Ra is referring to this here by saying that you know this, the working of this is is lying within. The key is first silence. This is the foundation of meditation, rather sitting, simply sitting. No, the word meditation can be troublesome for us here in the uh, in the Western world because we we think about it as a sort of reflection, which is the same. The word reflection says it all. It's like reflexing on something. It's like like a cycle, and that's the use of the mind. Um, meditation is ultimately guided towards the cessation of the mind, which is silence. Secondly, singleness of thought. Because once you have silence and you can use your mind as a laser, thoughts are the energy. Thoughts, thought is the energy. So when you start up the engine again of the mind, what happens? Does it go all over the place? Surely it does. I know it does with me. So this is the work of the addict. I mean, you, <laughs> this is, it's a it's a really good illustrate illustration and very realistic i love that you know this is i mean i've gotten used to it probably you have gotten used to it but the reason why the raw material is so so um i don't want to use the word perfect but um close to perfection in terms of channeling is because it's very concise it's very realistic it's not uh, abstract or esoteric well it's esoteric in its own way but it's not you know something that leaves you with more questions in terms of it answers your questions <laughs> rather see um, I know it, it's hard to get into because of the vocabulary plus we in the Western world uh, are not used to this idea of spirits and the evolution and the mind and um, everything is doing, not, you know, silence and so on. But in any case, singleness of thought, that's where it was. So it's like a laser. Now that you use it, if you focus yourself, and this is the training, you know, when they say a visualization which can be held steady to the inward eye, this is very difficult. I don't know if you do it, but to hold an image in your mind for several minutes, 
that's that's key i know uh, at least i am not good at this i mean i enjoy just simply silencing the mind and the results are f fantastic but then again you know this is not like you know it's a progress that you have to do this is just one of the possibilities of what you can do once you silence the mind the key thing is silencing the mind it's almost like creating a blank canvas you see what you do after uh, you have a, as opposed to just, you know, a canvas that is all, you know, painted on and has, I mean, you have to, you want to smooth, smooth it out, blanket, you know, create space for you to work on. Whatever you do, there's no progression there. There's no like, oh, you're, you're better because you can hold an image or you're better because, you know, you can imagine uh, and send light to the planet or you can just simply sit you know in silence it, none of that is better it's just what you do with it in any case uh, we'll get into some of the meditation now now that don asked this question so um this will signal the adepts increase in singleness of thought see first is the creation of singleness of thought to maintain a thought an image is a thought okay it's a it's a manifestation of the mind, and we can just say it as a thought, you know. Um, now, this singleness of thought can be used by the positive adept to work in group ritual visualizations for the raising of positive energy. The singleness of thought, whatever it is, you know, I, I'm not familiar with, you know, um, ritual visualizations. I suppose something like this is what, um, and I'll probably ask Gary, who may be able to answer me this better. Uh, Gary Bean from LNL Research, because that's what they do. You know, they they sit in groups and they do these meditations, and then they channel the confederation. So there there must be some use for this type of meditation or singleness of thought, and I'm sure they're pretty much trained in this um, to channel. Say, you know, if your singleness of thought is to channel a certain entity, then this is what channeling is, and you can see already how the portal of the indigo ray is being used for this type of communication, because you're opening that portal. And that's it. Now by negative adepts, and this is where I wanted to get to, um, for the increase in personal power, remember that negative entities have a sort of contact with intelligent um, infinity, and they use intelligent energy. So this is the increase in personal power. I don't know how they do it. They don't explain it here. Or, and I really can't extrapolate much, uh, but I suppose, I mean, once you're using, once, if you can achieve this as a negative entity and singleness of thought, then I'm sure, you know, you can use it for your own devices. I don't know how that works. So, sorry, negatives out there listening to me. Can't help you there. Uh, question nine. Don says, can you tell me how the adept then, after being able to hold the image for several minutes, what he does then to affect planetary consciousness or increase positive polarity. I still don't quite understand about this. Me neither. So let's go into Ross' answer. It says, when the positive adept touches intelligent infinity from within, this is the most powerful of connections. For it is the connection of the whole mind-body-spirit complex microcosm with the macrocosm. This connection enables the, shall we say, green ray true color in time-space to manifest in your time-space. This is corrected as space-time by the scholars in the Loaf One. I agree. Uh, I'll explain that in a second. 
In Green Ray, thoughts are beings. In your illusion, this is normally not so. Um, manifestation. That's the key word here. And the real word of or real meaning. So, you know, I, I sound a little silly there. <laughs> um, the more, m more realistic use of the word manifestation <laughs> in context of the mechanics of how this works. Manifestation. You see, uh, they explain when the positive adept touches intelligent infinity from within, this is how they make, um, they do work in, in consciousness, planetary consciousness. This is the most powerful of connections, of course. I mean, you once you touch intelligent infinity from within, from yourself, from the 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 self itself, the self itself. This is the most powerful connection, for it is the connection of the whole mind-body-spirit complex, microcosm, with the macrocosm. I like to say, uh, see if you can follow me here. It's pretty easy. We have, we are a fractal of the octave, right? We have seven chakras and contact with intelligent infinity means indigo ray contacting, um, it's almost like the bubble that violet ray means or represents. That violet ray bubble is connected to the macrocos macrocosmic violet bubble, okay? Think about it as a mind. The cosmic mind is just one. That would be the, the, the cosmic violet bubble. And then there are the individual violet bubbles, which we are. That's where you measure everything in the entity. When the microcosmic, um, what do they call it? My body spirit complex. When this self bubble contacts with the major bubble, then this is, this is the greatest of the connections, of course. We're contacting, you know, the the greater the greater macrocosm, you know, the the totality, the unity. So this connection enables the uh, green ray true color in time space. This is the correction when they say they say time space to manifest in your time space. It is not corrected later, as the notation says in the raw contact. But everybody assumes that raw made the mistake of saying time space, which is very common. And it makes sense if you plug in space-time there, it makes more sense because we're talking about manifestation. When again, and I'll read it again with my correction or the um, agreed connection uh, correction. When they say this connection enables the green ray true color in time-space to manifest in your space-time. See if we uh, manifest green ray in this case. I assume they're talking about. Uh, the work in in consciousness in, uh, on the planet by love, by uh, it, it's the only energy that exists, right? So it's uh, it's the green ray, true color that is being manifested in space time. In green ray, thoughts are beings. In your illusion, this is normally not so. In green ray, we can see our thoughts. In green ray, color for density, we can uh, we can see thoughts. We can. We can see them for what they are. This is normally not so here. So with this type of work, we can manifest them here. You see, it's it's like bringing forth to third density. Um, what do they say in Christian um, uh, prayers? Uh, bring the kingdom of heaven is on earth or something like that. So 
you can get whatever whatever it is that it said in English I forgot um, that's that's literally what's happening here you know once you make contact with intelligent infinity so there's more to this question Ra says the adepts then become living channels for love and light and are able to channel this radiance directly into the planetary web of energy and exile the ritual will always end by the grounding of this energy in praise and thanksgiving and the release of this energy into the planetary hall. So, I mean, there's not much to say here, but this is just um, what we said before. The Arabs then become living channels for love and light and are able to channel this radiance directly into the planetary web of energy. Next side, this is again uh, group workings, and I suppose, you know, individually as well. You can do this. Um, the ritual will always end by the grounding of this energy in praise and thanksgiving and the release of this energy into the planetary hole. Um, I think that's self-explanatory. You will ground this energy, the energy that you're bringing from um, intelligent infinity, manifested into intelligent energy, which you're shaping into uh, love and light for the raising of the consciousness of the planet. In whichever way you do it, that's up to you. Or your group, if you do this in groups. And it ends in praise and thanksgiving and the release of this energy into the planetary hole. Okay. I have nothing else to say there. Don says, I know of people who have been recently trained in meditation who, after a very short period of intense meditation, a couple of days or so, are able to cause the action at a distance effect on metal, bending it. It's my understanding that they are wearing a pyramid-shaped wire on their heads while doing this. I was invited to one of the meditation sessions a couple of years ago, but I couldn't get there. Could you comment on this process and if they are accomplishing anything of value or not? Ross says, nope. <laughs> Please ask one more full query at this working. And just for the sake of Don, I'll just say this. Um, I remember as a kid in the late 80s or early 90s that my brother was obsessed with this stuff. This was the thing in in um in the 90s and uh, in the 80s i suppose maybe in the 70s as well people being able to use their mind to bend metal and um it is true apparently that this is going to happen i still have my reserves to be honest as you can see i'm still a little skeptic about you know some things that could be and the only reason see the only uh mm, i would say uh, viable source, um, truthful source, I don't know. The only place that I can validate this is in the raw material, because Ra said it, I think it's session 58, I'm just working on that today, um, where they say how the energy, and they're talking about the pyramids and how this energy can be used, the use of intelligent energy to shape things. This is a quality of four density, because when we get there, I'll talk about it again, but that's weeks from now. Um, so it is possible because you're using intelligent energy and you bend things. Apparently this is only done by people who, or entities, people who have a sort of remembering of what it is to use intelligent energy that way, because it's useful in other densities. Ra said that it's not useful here. Uh, it's not a thing here. It's not part of the paradigm of the programming of their density. 
It's uh, because everything is everything, you know. Um, you can it can permeate, and it does so. But again, you know, I I'm not sure how common this is and how much of uh, I, I just don't know. But in any case, Don was really interested in this stuff back then. That's why you will see him ask questions like this throughout several sessions because he was very interested in this type of phenomena. Um, and I gotta think, I gotta say, I laughed. I, I laughed a little bit. <laughs> I giggled inside when um, when Don gave the picture of somebody wearing a pyramid um, wire pyramid or something in their heads. It's just, I don't know. It's a it's a funny image for me. So um, yeah, we, <laughs> let's go to the next question. So Don says, could you give me more information on the energy fields of the body as relates to the right and left brain? And if this is somehow related to the pyramid shape as far as energy focusing goes, I am a little lost at exactly how to get into this line of questioning. So I will ask that question. I think it's a nice question, actually. Um, Ra says, we are similarly at a loss at this line of answering. <laughs> we may say that the pyramid shape is but one which focuses the in-streamings of energy for use by entities which may become aware of these in-streamings. We may say further that the shape of your physical brain is not significant as a shape for concentrating in-streamings of energy. Please ask more specifically, if you may, that information you seek. Um, I think Don's going to ask a little bit more. But I'm just going to throw a couple of things here. First, we're going to get more into pyramids soon. In, uh, like I said, I've been working a lot in these sessions, session 50, because I'm doing a translation to Spanish for um, the lawof1.info, so eventually you'll see a uh, Spanish version there, not that you're gonna visit anyways, but <laughs> that's what I've been working on, and the only relevant part is that I've been, as part of the translation, I need to read this, you know, thoroughly, and there's a lot of pyramid information here in the, in the 50s, uh, the sessions that are in the 50s. So we're gonna get into that and what they mean, the in-streaming of energies and so on. But I can tell you that, um, like I said, we're, we're going to elaborate more on this. But the function of the pyramid, for, for this answer at least, and this is what Ra is saying, like they, they basically said, uh, sorry, I don't, I don't get what you're saying, I don't get the question, but we can say that, you know, the shape of the pyramid itself, it's a sort of funnel. And the energy is coming from everywhere. The energy is not coming, you know, from the bottom. It's just that as a funnel, if you have, let's put it this way, imagine a funnel, but you have it, you, it's dipped in the water, right? If you move the funnel anyways, it's going to funnel the water inside the water. It's going, going to create possibly a vortex, right? So that's just now imagine the water is always flowing no matter how you move the funnel it's going to create that sort of um, vortex that's what a pyramid is that's exactly what a pyramid is now instead of water think about uh, metaphysical energy that's what the pyramid is doing it's focusing metaphysical energy and there's a lot to say about this Rod's going to mention a lot of this stuff in later sessions but I, I'm just gonna leave it at that you know there is there has been all kinds of experiments in Russia, not here in the U.S., but there's a lot of Russian experiments with pyramids, and it's fascinating what they, you know, what they have found. But it's um, it's technology that we still don't know how to use because we don't even acknowledge the metaphysical energy. So 
we are like a half brain society here. <laughs> no offense. Um, okay, so we may say further that these that the shape of your physical brain is not significant. So yeah, they're saying you know as you can see your brain is not a pyramid. So you know it's not good for the concentrating in streamings of energy. That metaphysical energy we're talking about. So basically, the brain is not a pyramid. The brain is for something else. So what are you talking about, Don? Let's see. I don't know if he questions further. Don says, each of us feel, this question 12, each of us feel in meditation energy on the head in various places. Could you tell me what this is and what it signifies and what the various places that we feel it signify? Oh, I get it now. I understand the question. Ra seems to understand it well, and yes, forgetting the pyramid will be of aid to you in the study of these experiences, this makes sense. The in-streamings of energy are felt by the energy centers, which need and are prepared for activation. Thus, those who feel the stimulation of violet ray level are getting just that. Those feeling it within the forehead, between the brows, are experiencing indigo ray and so forth. Those experiencing tinglings and visual images are having some blockage in the energy center being activated. And thus, the electrical body spreads this energy out and its effect is diffused. Mm. Oh god, that's so beautiful. Let me go there first before I finish this up. Yes. Ah, this is gorgeous. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, forgetting the pyramid. Just like a funnel works in a way, imagine that... Um, the energy centers are this is this is really what's doing it you know the energy centers that's what Don wants to know that feeling that he gets in on his head so Ra is going to answer that specifically I think in the next uh, slide uh, those are okay if not I'll just say it here and if yes then we'll read it again <laughs> uh, okay first of all forget the pyramid Forget the pyramid, because the pyramid has a way to funnel energy, okay? It's a technology, whereas we are the technology, our energy centers are sort of, there are vortices, you see? Whereas the pyramid is creating vortices from, say, spread out energy that exists all over the universe. We are those vortices themselves. We have energy centers for that. Those energy centers are the ones that are um, attuned to specific um, experiences or sensations or um, experiences, probably the best word here. So, forget the pyramid. Pyramid doesn't, you know, apply here. The in-streamings of energy are felt by the energy centers which need and are prepared for activation. So, whatever, you know, some people are meditating. I feel it myself too, a lot of my third eye or my indigo ray and um, it's very common you just feel the pressure and you can see how your mind is being altered and your consciousness is uh, shifting to some degree and if you snap out of it you feel that the tension is relieved not that it's uncomfortable tension it's just it's a pleasurable uh, tension actually but in any case you know you just feel that so the energies which need and are prepared for activation, those are the ones that are going to be felt. Thus, uh, those who feel the stimulation at violet ray are getting just that. You know, it could be the top of the head, I believe it's violet ray, like if you feel something on the top of your head. Um, maybe that's why I'm losing hair too. 
losing it for a long time, so my violent rage has been active, maybe. <laughs> uh, those feeling it within the forehead, between the brows, I just said that, are experiencing indigo ray and so forth, all the energy centers. Now, those experiencing tinglings and visual images are having some blockage in the energy center being activated. And thus, the electrical body spreads this energy out and its effect is diffuse. The spreading out is to me why you feel tingling or visual, visual images because you see the energy center is blocked. So that energy is, um, it's like water just being splashed. You know, it's not going through. And the water being splashed is what's being felt as tingling or visual images. I think that's beautiful. This is the beautiful part, how you can see that you're having blockages in the energy centers. Now, how, I don't know, I can only speculate that it has to do with the association that we have and the meanings of the energy centers, of course, survival, identity, uh, societal, uh, unconditional love, universal love, etc. All that stuff. Um, but I don't know, can you feel it in your body? Maybe, I'm not sure, but I don't know, food for thought. Next, last parts of this question. Uh, Ross says, those not truly sincerely requesting this energy may yet feel it if the entities are not well trained in psychic defense. Those not desirous of the experience of experiencing these sensations and activations and changes, even upon the subconscious level, will not experience anything due to their abilities at defense and armoring against change. So, uh, I guess this is for completion. Those not truly sincerely requesting this energy may yet feel it if the entities are not well trained in psychic defense. Um, I am not sure what psychic defense entails. I know there's a lot to say about this. To me, psychic defense, the core of it is simply knowing that you are everything. Once you know that, that's the ultimate realization. If you relax yourself, you see, you can say practice, train, that's nonsense. You don't practice or train being everything. <laughs> Much like, you know, um, what an inspiration, no, it's not, it's not inspirational. It's, uh, gods, you know, the, mm, you repeat phrases. I forgot what they're called. They're very, you know, they're super used now. Oh my god, I can't, my memory's fading. People who use phrases and they repeat them all the time, um, I'm bothered by the fact that I can't remember, you know, the word or the phrase that is used for this. It's not inspirational. That in any case, it's just that, that people use, you know, uh, affirmations, that's the word, affirmations. The same way affirmations, you know, may work by, you know, repeating, repeating, repeating. What's really happening is that you are subconsciously, you know, um, you're like pushing it in, you're pushing it in. Whereas, you know, this is, this is working from the outside in. From the inside out, you just simply relax. You don't train anything. So if when you relax into knowing that you're everything, then no issues happen. There's no psychic attack. There's nothing. You are what you are. You know, there's no, nothing else. It's actually 222 on, actually, oh, it's like, this is a beautiful synchronicity right now. I should take a screenshot of this and show it to you. So hold on a second. Yeah, there we go. Hopefully I'll save it. <laughs> it's 2.22 in the afternoon on the 1st of January of 2000. 
in 22. So happy new year if I didn't say it in a post somewhere. Um, and yeah, okay, so I guess it's a good sign that what I'm saying is, is right. Psychic defense is you relaxing into the unity of everything, knowing that you are everything. So the more you relax into this, the more you're going to be defended. Thank you, universe, for giving me the validation. Um, so, yeah. Those not desirous of experiencing these sensations and activations and changes, even upon the subconscious level, will not experience anything due to their abilities. Yeah, so those who are not simply, those who don't care will not feel anything. Is that what they're saying? I think so. Will not experience anything due to their abilities at defense and armoring against change. Well, the world is impermanent. You can shield yourself against change for too long before it breaks, shatters, and your world changes, and your views of reality shifts, and you die just to be reborn again. In your own mind, in your own lifetime. Don says, last question for this session, right now I'm getting two feelings simultaneously. Is this normal to get two at once? Uh, Ross says, the most normal for the adept is the following. The indigo stimulation, activating the great that great gateway into healing, magical work, prayerful attention, and the radiance of being, and the stimulation of the violet ray, which is the spiritual giving and taking from and to creator, from creator to creator. This is a desirable configuration. Okay, so the two on the head are violet and indigo, which we talked about already. Um, the most normal for adepts is the following, the most normal, because adepts are simply working on those two, the upper two. Um, it's taking and, uh, and giving to the creator at the same time. The portal, remember, indigo ray, it's like a portal. It's a portal to intelligent infinity, and by being a portal, it's already intelligent infinity, but it's manifested as intelligent energy, so you can just see the image here of a portal between infinity and infinity. It's a, it's a cessation of the mind. That's what indigo ray, it's, it's, a, it's at its most powerful. And from there, it's the blank canvas that I talked about. You paint whatever you want. So, the indigo stimulation, activating that great gateway into healing. Fourth ray, or green ray. Magical work, I'm not sure how to attribute that one. Prayful attention to me is indigo, uh, and the radiance of being is blue. So magical work, it's simply, you know, what you do with it. Uh, but you're opening the great gateway, right, by indigo, into doing healing, which is green ray. Magical work, which we can say is indigo, say, prayerful attention as well. And the radiance of being to me is blue ray. Could be also, radiance of being is actually uh, indigo. So I don't know. I'm all over the place here, but you can get the picture. So maybe magical work and prayerful attention could be blue. And the radiance of being is indigo. I don't know. And the stimulation of violet ray, which is the spiritual giving and taking from and to. It's when you access intelligent infinity, you're giving. You are returning to the creator. That's giving to the creator. And then you're receiving intelligent infinity as the for, in form of intelligent energy, which is what you use here for manifestation of... Um, you see, in manifestation, you can see when people, I don't know, I, I'm kind of like bent towards this uh, this word of manifestation because it's being 
used in so many ways in the uh, spiritual uh, circles and so on. And I'm sorry, you know, it, it sounds awesome for the ego to say, I can manifest everything I want. That's a selfish understanding. I can manifest everything I want. I think that's a misconception. I'm pretty sure it's a misconception. Manifestation is once you are humble enough to say I am nothing and at the same time I'm everything, what I want to manifest is just the beauty of the planet. You know, the, I don't know, the, the love of, the love I feel for the planet, that's what I want to manifest here. Not some car or a girlfriend or, you know, a dog or whatever. <laughs> a new house or, uh, this is why I think the reality of manifestation is being prostitute in spirituality right now. But uh, again, you know, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying, you know, it's like, you know, people using a car to mow their lawn. Fine, you know, <laughs> I just think it's not the right tool for it. That's not how it works. I'm sure you can do it. You can smash it into bits. Whatever, you get the idea. So this is a desirable configuration. Yes, it is. So. Conclusions, because we're at the end of session 50, at the end of this video, of course, as well. There's a couple of things that we talked about here that I think are quite important, especially the first question when talking about why you're here. Why did you incarnate here? Well, I don't know. Do you know? No, you'll never know. So all that is left for you is to play the cards that you have been given you are here to play them, to know them, to begin to know them, feel them, to watch the person dancing and not listen to the music. But you can kind of imagine the music in your mind when you see the person dancing. That's exactly what's happening here with everything else. As you perceive your life, as you perceive others and so on. This is probably the best teaching. It really is to accept the fact that you're not here to understand anything, to remember, even when we say we remember things. You see, it's not like we remember exactly. When I say you remember the law of one, uh, that's why you're attracted to this. Um, I mean it in the sense that you're looking at the dancer, but you can't listen to the music. In the same way, you cannot remember, you know, your past life, maybe you can, but you don't remember the whole stream of why you are attracted to the law of one. You just know you are attracted to it, you see? And this is true. You can see that, you can feel that, much like you can see, you know, you have an inclination for helping others, or you have an inclination for, you know, building things and sharing them, or whatever it is, whatever it is that you do, that's your inclination, that's your, uh, your bias, that's what you love doing. Great, you don't need to know why, just see the dancing. You know, you don't hear the music, just see the dancing. So you follow that. And that's it. I mean, it's not complicated. It's just being who you are. When I say it all the time, just be who you are, whatever you are. You know, um, you got to be careful here with the ego, of course. That's something that any initiate um, should know is that to differentiate between the ego that just wants things for itself because it's lacking or being the self that it's already everything. You know, that's what I mean. Be yourself. Be who you are. Be that kid. Be, you know, that playful uh, human that we all are so uh, that's I think that's the best distillation of that lesson that was given to us in question 7 of session 50 it's phenomenal um, and the other stuff that we talked about was 
What was it? I need to go back a little bit and see. We talked about the positive path, silence, meditation. Meditation is something that it's not emphasized enough, I think, which is, and let, let, let's talk about it again. You know, I mentioned in this video that there is much like the word manifestation, it's being prostitute, meditation is also, it's better understood now, I think, in the Western um, context. But it's, um, and it's not about forcing the mind to be shut, it's about cultivating. I think that's the best word that we can use, cultivating a mindful state. That's what the Buddha would have said, you know, not sit in silence. You know, it's just cultivating a certain a certain view of the world. If you cultivate that, it, it'll grow in you. So meditation is a tool for that. You don't have to sit, you know, in meditation with uh, music and the whole thing. It's just cultivating your mind towards um, the certain precepts that exist. There are natural precepts. You know, when we say, you know, not killing, not stealing and all of that stuff, it's not like, you know, there's a divine punishment that happens to you. I mean, if you consider divine punishment, the karma that you will generate by generating generating motion towards an action that needs to have more action and no forgiveness and so on, then you can call that divine punishment. That's okay. You know, it's just a law. It's a law. It's like, oh, I threw this up and it came down divine punishment. No, it's a law of gravity. Same thing metaphysically. But these are precepts because you know, this is why the Buddha had, you know, uh, and now Buddhism has several precepts that people follow and monks and so on. But the, it's really is cultivating your mind in the way which you want to do. You know, it's not follow the Buddha's path or, you know, Christ's path or whatever. Just, you know what is right. And if you don't, you'll learn it. That's what this life is about. And, but the word meditation or meditative state of, um, permeating your your environment your mental environment with these thoughts and these perceptions of life i think that's what's really important in any case that's all i got for this video and the whole session of session 50 we're halfway through um through the books sort of we're finishing actually book two with this session not that i'm following the books originally i don't know i think the raw contact also finishes the first volume here I have it up here and I haven't really checked. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we're halfway through. We have 106 session, sessions, so we have 56 more to go, or 57, 56. Is it? I don't know, somebody correct me. I'm done, over and out. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, see you in session 51.